You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You worked all week. Work, 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 work. You didn't have time to look at your fantasy lineups. Son of a But don't be afraid. That's why we give you Weekend Fantasy Update. Woohoo! Here are your hosts, Joe Galina, Frank Stample, and Mike Florio. Welcome back for Hour 2 of Weekend Fantasy Update. Frank Stample here with Michael Florio. No Joe Galina here today. As we mentioned earlier in the show, he's taking care of some business. New Year, same Joe Galina. Don't question this guy. You can follow him on Twitter, at Joe Galina, but just don't question him. Uh, we, we mentioned on previous shows, he has a, a, a unique superhero ability to turn your shoes into cement. So don't mess with that guy. Hour two, we're going to be talking some NFL wildcard weekend DFS. We're going to have a great guest come in here, uh, Larry Holder, who covers the New Orleans Saints for the New Orleans Times Picayune. We'll have him on at 124, but until then, we're going to talk some DFS football. And after he's off, we're going to talk some fantasy baseball, take a little early look at some uh, statistical trends that we've seen in the game. So, Mike, let's start off with the first game. The Chiefs against the Titans. Uh, we spoke yesterday on the Fantasy BFFs uh, about some of the betting odds here. The Chiefs are favored by 8.5 points with the over-under set at 44.5. Uh, so let's talk about who we're looking at here. I-, I think, in my opinion, and I'm probably wrong, I think there's two viable quarterbacks that I like from this four-game slate, and I think Alex Smith is one of them. Uh, We saw at times this year the Tennessee Titans secondary be up and down. They've let up some big plays, and the Chiefs certainly have the personnel to make big plays happen in Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. So for all those reasons, I I like Alex Smith as one one of two viable quarterbacks this weekend. Yeah, I'm using Alex Smith, actually. He is the quarterback I'm using in my DFS contest. I just think that the Tennessee defense is not very good. Their secondary especially. And I think that this is going to be a route. uh, Like They're just going to go in there and stomp all over the Titans, in my opinion. I think Alex Smith is going to get it done. I have him. I have Tyreek Hill. Uh, I would try to get Travis Kelsey if you do. You know, you want some exposure to him as well. And Kareem Hunt. I think all of them are viable options this week. All right, so you kind of answered my next question. I was going to ask, you know, of the three, Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey, who are you most likely to pay up for? In my opinion, it's Tyreek Hill. I think wide receiver is uh, not as strong this weekend, and I feel like you're going to have to kind of pay down at the tight end position if you want to fit in some of these Todd Gurley's of the world. Uh, do you agree it's Tyreek Hill of the three? Yeah, that's I have him in both um, on FanDuel and on DraftKings. I have Tyreek Hill in both my lineups. So, Mike, uh, you mentioned FanDuel. If you play on FanDuel, who's going to be your kicker? I mean, Harrison Butker. Harrison. Harrison. I've been on the Harrison Butker train all year. I think this kid is amazing. And if I'm using him, or actually I'm not using him, though, because he is expensive. I want to get other guys in. He's <laughs> lied. So I'm, I'm using Stephen Hauschka, who I think is going to end up kicking a lot of 50 yarders tomorrow. On the Titans side of the football, we already mentioned Derrick Henry earlier on in the show for 2018. Well, guess what? There's no DeMarco Murray in this game. I think Derrick Henry can get it done for you uh, as far for as far as other Titans. I like Rashard Matthews. Not really much else there. Don't ride the Marcus Mariota thing. We'll be back right after this. We'll talk more NFL DFS for Wildcard Weekend here on Weekend Fantasy Update. 
Playing daily fantasy basketball this year? Consider Daily Roto your go-to resource. Whether you play on DraftKings or FanDuel, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. With a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, there's no better place to get your NBA DFS content. Better yet, you can save 10% using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com slash premium and learn more about our awesome product. And we're back. Weekend Fantasy Update on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Frank Stample here with Michael Florio. You have a question about NFL DFS wildcard weekend, your playoff challenge, life, the New Orleans Saints, fantasy baseball, fantasy basketball, doesn't matter what it is. Call in. 844-843-6879. But we're going to continue rolling on here. We covered the Chiefs and Titans. Mike, did you want to add anything else about the Titans there? I just kind of fit it in uh, towards the end of the break there, but I don't no, know if there's like, much else to add. I like Matthews a lot, and I think Delaney Walker is safe, but I, I'm not using him. I'm going cheaper at tight end on both my lineups. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, so moving on to the nightcap on Saturday night. The Falcons and the Rams. Juggernaut matchup. Should be fun. Uh, best offense in the league. Los Angeles Rams. Sean McVay going up against the NFC champion defending Atlanta Falcons, who are pretty hot coming into the playoffs here. 6-2 and two over the last eight games. Mike, in my opinion, this is a matchup of running backs. This is Devontae Freeman versus Todd Gurley. Uh, and yesterday, in the fantasy pit of misery, down in the control room, we we're all making DFS lineups uh, because, you know, we still got to get our fantasy football fix in. I told you that I made a DraftKings lineup without Todd Gurley, and you and Greg Sussman both kind of called me crazy, but... If you want to get Todd Gurley in at $9,700 on DraftKings this week, you're really, really going to have to pay down somewhere else or, or almost punt a position. Uh, so tell everybody how you managed to fit Todd Gurley into your lineup. First of all, I think Todd Gurley is an absolute must this week. He gets a Falcons defense who, for the second straight year, have allowed the most receptions to running backs. And we know that he that is an area where not only can he is he going to be heavily used, he can thrive. And we saw where he can just break those, take one short reception and break it 80 yards for a touchdown at any point. He's had multiple 40-point fantasy games in his last two games that he played. How you can fade this guy, I, I don't know. So for me, to get him, it's a little easier in FanDuel. I actually don't feel like I paid down for anyone in FanDuel. I, I had yeah. Charles Clay in there. I have Richard Matthews in there. But those are guys that I, I don't feel terrible using. It's a little bit tougher on DraftKings. I, as of now, I, I threw one quick lineup together yesterday on DraftKings, playing a little bit more on FanDuel this weekend because it is easier to get Todd Gurley in. But in that lineup, my current wide receiver three is Deontay Thompson. I plan on changing no that. No bias there at all. I plan on changing that. The, the <laughs> only reason I went with him is because as great as the Jaguars' defense has been this year, they've allowed, uh, I'm pulling up right now, they've allowed the sixth most receptions of 40-plus yards this season, and Deontay Thompson is the Bills' deep threat. That was the only reason I put him in. I don't plan on that holding up when I uh, edit my lineup after the show, but I think if you have to pay down at a position or two, it's worth it to get Todd Gurley in. I, I mean, who like I have both running backs from this game in on both my lineups because the Rams have allowed the second most fantasy points on the season two running backs behind only the Buffalo Bills but what other running back if you're fading Todd Gurley it has to be Kareem Hunt I would imagine or Devonta Freeman because 
you, in my opinion, Leonard Fournette is banged up. I get all the matchup is great on paper, but I actually read last night if you take away quarterback and wide receiver runs from the Jacksonville Jaguars, they only average 3.7 yards per carry this year. So they're really not an explosive run game. They are more of a, you know, ground and pound, uh, grind out the clock type of run game. LaShawn McCoy is banged up. He's legit questionable. Uh, I'm not going to want to trust. I mean, actually, you could use the Saints guys. I, I'll take that back. Those guys are in in play as well. Christian McCaffrey, I, I I can't sit Todd Gurley for Christian McCaffrey. You know, that's that's my viewpoint. But it, it, I think there's limited options this week, and Todd Gurley, to me, is head and shoulders above the rest. I like what you did there early on in your analysis. You kind of you, you, you took some jabs at me, Mike. You said, I don't know how you can make a lineup this weekend without <laughs> not, Todd not Gurley. I'm just saying, like, that's my thinking. Like, when I made my it's lineup, a, it's fair. It's I fair. went running back, clicked it, Gurley, and I built around that. It's fair. But I just, with the wide receivers available this week, I just didn't feel good paying down for any of these guys. I mean, I guess if you're looking at, you want to take a shot on a Corey Davis or Eric Decker because the Chiefs secondary has been whatever this year. Those are some guys that stand out that are super cheap. I actually, as of right now, I have three running backs in my lineup, none of which are Kareem Hunt, Todd Gurley, or any Saints guys. I have I have Devontae Freeman, Christian McCaffrey, and... Derrick Henry in my lineup as of right now. I just think because there's no DeMarco Murray, I could see him getting 15 to 20 touches in this game at $6,000 on DraftKings. I think that's a very fair price. The Chiefs were not great against running backs. They were, you know, middle of the pack this year. So uh, if the Titans can keep that game close, or if the Titans are smart, they'll run the ball a lot with Der- uh, Derrick Henry early on in this game to ki- to keep the Chiefs' offense off the field. I think that's a smart way to attack it from the Tennessee Titans' point of view. And if I'm looking at what McCaffrey did against the Saints this year uh, in their first meeting back in September, four rushes, 16 yards, blah, whatever. Nine receptions for 101. We know DraftKings is full point PPR. Uh, so I think that would work out for me. I'm fine with that. In his second game against them uh, in early December, six for 16 yards, five receptions, 33 yards, and a touchdown. So I think if the Carolina Panthers are going to be to if they're going to compete in this game, I think it's going to be a lot of Cam Newton to Christian McCaffrey. Um, so that's why I have him in my lineup. I just thought it was way hard to pay up for Todd Gurley. I do have him in Fanduel though. I agree with you. It's much easier Christian, to fit him up. Christian fit McCaffrey him in there. had two good games there, right? That's twenty yep. fantasy points. Yep. At, that and if that is what you're going to get out of him, you'll be happy with that. But Todd Gurley can legit double that plus more. Yeah, he can. He, he definitely can. This he's, is a, he's he's a done cash it in game last two games. There's a cash game lineup for what's worth. I think in cash games, it's even. You have to have Todd Gurley because <laughs> I don't know if you like. I think Take another easy, jab. It's easier to fade him in a tournament because then if he doesn't play well, then you're ahead of the eight ball and you could finish high in a cash game where all you care about you don't care about where you place is you need to place in the money. I, I can't not have the best guy in my lineup. That's my opinion. Maybe it works out for you and Todd Gurley has a dud game and you instantly are going to hit that cash line because so he's going to be so heavily owned. But if I'm fading him, it to me it makes more sense to do so in a tournament where he's going to be heavily owned and if he doesn't live up to that high expectation, if he doesn't go off and hit that, you know, 3-4x, then that it's easier for you to win big money because so many people have him outside of their lineup. It makes sense. The question is, where do you save money then? I mean, do you do you pivot off of a Michael Thomas who's seventy eight hundred dollars? I do not have Michael Thomas in my lineup. 
Yeah, I don't so. believe on draft. I, I have him on one of them. I don't know if it's. I mean, Kings. two of his big games this year were against the Carolina Panthers, so that's why I think he, he could have success in this game. I just don't know where else to go. I don't. I just don't feel strongly about any of the uh, lower priced wide receivers. I mean, you're looking at a Sammy Watkins or something like that. As of right now, I have Michael Thomas, Muhammad Sanu, and Rashard Matthews. I feel like those guys are all pretty safe. Again, it's a cash game lineup, so I think that's what I was thinking of when I was making the lineup. But maybe I'll have to make some adjustments. As of right now. That is what I have in Mike, the slobber knocker. Sunday morning, Jags versus Bills. I have a question for you. On both FanDuel and DraftKings, you have to use a defense. Are both of these defenses viable? Yes. And are they the only viable defenses for fantasy this weekend? I think so. I think the Jaguars are obviously the number one defense. I want to give credit to where it's due. I was uh, I forget where it was exactly though, but I've been reading a lot on this game this whole week. And As you should. One of them was one thing I read was how like the offense rates against each defense in every wild card game and vice versa for both teams. And the only negative one was the Bills offense versus the Jags defense, and it wasn't negative by a little bit. Like it was extremely, extremely negative, and it could lead to you know it, it could be a Tyrod bloodbath where he is just taking a lot of sacks. But so they are just so expensive. And I expect this to be a close game. Tyrod Taylor, for what it's worth, the sacks might hit, hit him, but he doesn't turn the ball over much. So I don't know if you're going to get the the huge value that you'd normally get out of the Jacksonville because, yeah, they could pile up five, six sacks, but if he holds on to the ball, doesn't turn it over, it's going to be hard for them to you know get a pick six or fumble recovery for, for a touchdown like we could, have become so accustomed to. So I've actually pivoted away from them and gone down to the very cheap Buffalo Bills defense whose secondary is playing very well and who we've seen Blake Bortles become a little bit more turnover prone the past couple weeks so that's actually the option I've gotten in. Yeah, I actually have the Buffalo Bills in both of my lineups as of right now. Yesterday on the BFF spoke about the turnover differential for the Buffalo Bills this year. They were a plus nine going up against a Blake Bortles who had 13 interceptions. He fumbled the ball nine times. He still kind of turns into Blake Bortles at times. I get that the Jaguars are going to just want to run the football and play defense. That's fine. That's going to be you know the mindset here, but... At some point, if Blake Bortles has to make a play, we've seen, especially in that 49ers game, he's still definitely prone to turning the ball over. Uh, anybody else in this game that you're really attacking? I mean, Jag- Jaguars wide receivers. I have Charles Clay as my tight end uh, in one of two lineups. I have him because you look at the three games to finish the season. He had eight targets, ten targets, nine targets. So the volume is going to be there. We know how dangerous that secondary is. They're probably going to prevent throws to Kelvin and and Zay Jones. I think we're going to see a lot, especially if Shady is banged up and limited. We're going to see a lot of Charles Clay, I think. The only other option for me on the Bills is, is Hoshka if you're playing on FanDuel and you need a kicker because... He has attempted a lot of 50-plus yard field goals this year and is actually very successful, has a very good rate of, of hitting those. It's going to be good weather down in Jacksonville or, or better weather than he's accustomed to in Buffalo. I think that is an option because the Bills aren't going to be able to drive the ball down the field. Oh, no. What are you guys doing? You didn't get to the Saints and Panthers game. No. We are going to. Up next with our guest, Larry Holder, who covers the New Orleans Saints. We'll be right back after that. after this. Fantasy Sports Radio Network Weekend Fantasy Update. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, 
or download the Fancy Sports Radio Network app. The Fancy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fancy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fancy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Weekend Fantasy Update on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Frank Stanfield here with Michael Florio. Running through some NFL DFS action for Wild Card Weekend. In case you need to get your fantasy football fix on. Obviously, regular season's over. You want to play in some NFL playoff challenges where, regardless of where you play, you still need to get that fantasy football action going. So, Mike, let's continue on here. Talking some New Orleans Saints and Carolina Panthers. There's a lot more running backs in this game. We already brought up McCaffrey a little bit, what he's done against the New Orleans Saints. He had one game where he had nine receptions for over 100 yards receiving. He had another game with 33 receiving yards and a receiving touchdown. I think that makes him much more viable in the DraftKings format where it's full point PPR. Uh, FanDuel, I'm probably more likely to fade him. I think he could have a good game, but in FanDuel with a half point, I'm really more so looking for guys that I think can, can score touchdowns. And I'm not sure that you can bet on that happening for him uh so i'm more likely to use him on DraftKings than a fanduel yeah i actually looking through both my lineups i really don't have much exposure to this game at all and i probably should but it's because i went with Gurley and freeman as my running backs because freeman is cheaper than the saints guys and Gurley's a little bit more expensive so the two of them kind of balances out not using the saints guys michael thomas is the one guy i do have exposure to in this game yeah, according to Vegas, you probably should have some exposure to this game. It's the second highest over under of the weekend at 47 and a half. I mentioned earlier when we were talking about the Chiefs against the Titans that there were two viable quarterbacks, in my opinion, this weekend for DFS. And one of them was Alex Smith. The other one is Cam Newton. But Frank, how can you suggest Cam Newton when he only throws for you know 205 passing yards per game? Well... It's because of the rushing ability. And with that being said, I'd like to welcome in our guest, who knows a lot about the New Orleans Saints. They're going up against the Carolina Panthers on Sunday, Wild Card Weekend. It is Larry Holder who covers the Saints and for the New Orleans Times Picayune. I'm not going to lie, Larry. I had to research how to say the word Picayune. I didn't know how to do it before. Uh, when I read that word, I had no idea how to say it but you could find his work on nola.com he's also the co-host of dunk and holder which could be heard on sports 1280 in new orleans larry how's everything going uh, everything's going great yeah you're not the first and you won't be the last to try to figure out what the heck a picayune is but yeah it's uh you got it spot on so good job <laughs> we started this segment talking about uh the panthers and saints from a dfs fantasy football perspective but of course we'd like to get uh your analysis of this game so i want to start off with the uh, the running game of the new orleans saints i mean the panthers have had a strong run defense all season yet the saints have run effectively against them in both games this year why do you think that is and do you see that continuing this week 
Yeah, I think the Saints are going to try to keep going with their bread and butter. I mean, it's been Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara all year long. Uh, well, once they started winning and they figured out which formula to go with, and that's been the formula. And, uh, look, I, I think that uh, that Ingram is look, a strong north-south runner. I think Kamara is someone who can certainly uh, weave his way out of and through tackles. We've seen that so many times. Uh, so, yeah, you know, people have asked me, well, you know, they know each other so well, and uh, even after a last time they played, Ron Rivera said they planned everything they could uh, to stop Alvin Kamara, and they had no answers to do so. And so I'm, uh, you know, I'm sure they're going to be zeroed in on that plan. But uh, I still think the Saints are going to kind of roll with that one-two punch. Look, you also got to give the Saints' offensive line some credit too. They've been banged up, played musical chairs a lot through. Uh, through games, like Teron Armstead would leave a game, and other players, Larry Warford missed some time and had to leave a game, and you had to place a bunch of musical chairs there, but they've been an effective group, and look, it looks like Teron Armstead's going to return after missing uh, some time, so uh, I, I think uh, you know that's one of their strengths, and they know that Carolina has trouble stopping their run game, so I think they're going to they're gonna keep at it here on, on Sunday. Hey, so we saw Michael Thomas had two of his five touchdowns against the Panthers this season. We know the Panthers' secondary really struggled towards the end of the year. So would you expect Michael Thomas to once again find the end zone this week? And what kind of stat line can you see him finishing with? Yeah, I would anticipate uh, they would try to get him involved, especially, say, if they get into the red zone. I know, though, a lot of times Alvin Kamara... They, they slip him out the backfield. He, he can catch the ball getting into the end zone as, as, as well as running it. But, uh, yeah, look, he's been kind of their go-to receiver. There's no question about it. Uh, you know, Ted Ginn's probably a distant second uh, on on the Saints roster as far as wide receivers uh, uh, and numbers are concerned. But, yeah, look, he's a, there hasn't been a game in his career where Michael Thomas hasn't caught at least three passes. So I think they'll target him probably – double-digit times knowing uh, how much Drew Brees trusts him. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's not one to produce these massive, like, 150-yard games. I mean, that's just not the way it is. He runs a lot of quick slants, and he's, you know, he kind of just kind of steadily compiles some yards. Uh, you know, I would probably put him in the 80-yard range, and, uh, you know, I'm sure they're going to try to get him a score. So, yeah, yeah, I would say – I'm just going to throw it out there, like five catches, 80 yards, one TD. Might be a few more catches. Just depends on how effective the Panthers are in slowing down the Saints' run game. We're speaking with Larry Holder, who covers the Saints for the New Orleans Times Picayune. You can find some of his work at NOLA.com. Larry, when you joined in, I was talking about Cam Newton, and he only averages 196 passing yards in the Panthers' five losses this season, and only once in those five games has he topped 200 passing yards when he threw for a 239 against the Eagles. Do you think the Saints secondary will once again be able to keep Cam in check in this game? Yeah, I think they can, and I think that's one of the equalizers uh, for this game. Like The Saints just match up well on both sides of the football against Carolina, and that's why they've had all kinds of problems, and uh, look, you throw uh, like Marshawn Lattimore wasn't even playing uh, in the first time they met met up, and now uh, you know I think Marshawn Lattimore, uh, he as far as corner versus wide receiver, I mean he's the best one out there on the field. So I think that takes away one half of the field. Uh, now one thing I am curious to see about is Greg Olson. Uh, if Cam Newton's going to try to uh, just kind of go with Greg Olson because he didn't play either time they played the Saints this year. Saints without Kenny Vaccaro, who would typically be the guy uh, in pass coverage on him. Even A.J. Klein, the middle linebacker, who is familiar with Greg Olson with their time in, 
Carolina. He's on IR as well. So I'm curious to see who the Saints match up with Greg Olson. So if Cam Newton's going to have success, I think he's going to have success uh, throwing to Greg Olson. So, and obviously those aren't, you know, big time major plays, but I mean, you can hit him off the seam and see what happens. So I think that if you're Carolina, that's the, that's the matchup they want to possibly exploit is, uh, as Cam Newton and uh, Greg Olson against the Saints defense. I know you brought, just brought up uh, Greg Olson. We've also seen Christian McCaffrey had two strong games against them this year. So a lot of people are, are wondering, like, which player on the Panthers do we think can have the biggest game this week? Do you really do you think it is Greg Olson, or would you say maybe a Devin Funches or a Christian McCaffrey, one of their other talented players that they have on the offensive side? Yeah, I feel like it's Olsen uh, because he's had, in, in years past, he's had success against the Saints. Uh, and like I said, I just feel like they, the Saints might not match up well with him. Uh, and he wasn't around the first two games, and the Saints had success. So, uh, yeah, uh, do I think Christian McCaffrey can maybe get him in the end zone? Sure. Uh, but I do think, like you mentioned, Devin Funchess. I think either Marshawn Lattimore or Ken Crawley can handle Devin Funchess, and then there's not much else around them. Uh, and the Saints are certainly familiar with defending a, a versatile back. I mean, they do it all the time against Kamara in practice. So uh, you, you can simulate that with ease in practice. So uh, to me, I think skill guys uh, for the Panthers, I would, I would keep an, an eye on Greg Olson for sure. Larry, the Saints' only home loss this season was in Week 2 against the New England Patriots. What makes this, tif- this team so difficult to beat at home? Well, I think the fact that they're winning, people actually are into it again because these past few years, seven and nine, people didn't know what to expect. They weren't, they were not winning at home. And you go know, back to week two, the Saints were trying to get an identity. Look, they still had Adrian Peterson on their team. They didn't know quite what to do offensively, how they wanted to get it and run this thing. And then I think defense, it started with the week three win in Carolina and you started seeing a defense kind of grow. And the fact that the Saints have a valid, a viable defense, I think it's made wonders for the home field advantage because uh, the home crowd gets jacked up, helps the defense, makes life a little tougher uh, on opponents. And uh, the Saints' defense, we've seen them take advantage. And, yeah, I mean, it, it's been a long time since they've lost at home. So that's why, uh, look, I, I, I got a good feeling that the Saints are going to win this one on Sunday. I was just going to ask, what is your prediction for the game? But you, uh, so you think the Saints win? But now, do you think they win handily, or do you think it is a a very close game? No, I think it's going to be closer than we've seen the last few games. Uh, I've, I've predicted thirty to twenty three. I think the Saints can still hit that thirty point mark, but you know, playoff atmosphere, uh, some dicey things like the Saints aren't. Uh, aren't uh, immune to making a mistake. Well, last week we saw Tommy Lee Lewis fumble the ball, Bucks pick it up and run in the end zone, and that changed the momentum of the game uh, decidedly. <laughs> it was a big swing, and so uh, and look, it's not like the Carolina Panthers are a total slouch on defense. I mean, they've still got uh, some big-time players up front, too. K1 Short, of course, Luke Keekley, we all know about those guys. But I do think that the Saints uh, will be able to to uh, to do enough to beat Carolina for a third time. So 30-23, to 23, I'm picking the Saints. That's right on par with the spread, too. <laughs> Larry, uh, real quick before we let you go, we only got about a minute left. Uh, if we go to your Twitter, at Larry Holder, we see that your Twitter default is a picture of your head half-shaved. 
Uh, <laughs> can you tell the audience uh, about that bet and how you end up having the, to have your head shaved because of the New Orleans Saints? Yes, that happened Thursday. <laughs> so, yeah, I, uh, I, after they lost to the Patriots, myself and my colleague Jeff Duncan uh, uh, at uh, Sports1280 and at NOLA.com and the Times Picking, and we have a daily show, and I went on a rampage saying basically the thing stunk, and uh, Jeff was still on board. Well, I think the Saints could win 10 games, and without immediate thought, I said, I'll shave my head if they go 10 and 6. And so. The fact that they went 11-5, and five, I still felt like I had a loophole, but no, no. Spirit of the bet. I lost. Humanity wins. I am now a cue ball. Total cue ball. So at least they got it clean. That was just my pain and misery in that, in that picture, though. Oh, man, that's awesome stuff. That was Larry Holder. He covers the Saints for the New Orleans Times Picayune. You can find his work on NOLA.com. He is the co-host of Dunk and Holder, which can be heard on Sports 1280 in New Orleans. Larry, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, guys, thanks. Appreciate it. You heard it there. Saints 30-23 Sunday. We'll be back right after this Fantasy Baseball Weekend Fantasy Update. If you're playing daily fantasy basketball on DraftKings or FanDuel this NBA season, you need to sign up for Daily Roto. Built by a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. Better yet, you can save 10% off using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com backslash premium to learn more about their product. Welcome back to Weekend Fantasy Update. Mike Florio here with Frank Stanfield. The first hour and 40 minutes of the show, we're all football, wild card, DFS, you know, year in review, looking to next year. We, we got you all covered with that. But as we look to head, ahead to 2018, the next real big draft season that we have to prep for is fantasy baseball. And I've already, I, me and Frank are in an industry uh, mock draft, 15 man, very deep. We're, that, that one is moving at a snail's pace. I'm in uh, another one of fifty man, a fifteen man, fifty round, uh, kind of like NFBC uh, draft champion style draft. So I'm fully diving into baseball. Frank is as well. So we we want to start talking to you guys. And I thought the best place to start was not by looking at specific players, not by telling you guys that you should uh, write down or sleepers or anything along those lines. I think the way to best get started is for you to look back at last season, see overall how the landscape of that season went, and really look at the trends that we see continuing. Because this is something I spent a lot of time before the 2016 season, uh, how I started my prep. And once I knew the landscape and the way I wanted to attack the league and, and my drafts, then I start to find the players that fit that plan. I think if you go the other way and you find players you like and you try to make them fit a plan... It could leave you a little bit all over the place. Yeah, and people do that too often, too. They find players that they like, they fall in love, and they say, oh, well, i got to have this guy. That's not necessarily the way that you should play. Overall, you shouldn't play fantasy, but fantasy baseball specifically. I mean, if there are trends that are happening in the game, you need to continue to follow these trends. You, you need to be cognizant of them. You can't just ignore them and say, oh, well, you know, I love Aaron Judge. I have to have him with my first-round pick, regardless of, you know, power is up and I could find power late in the draft. 
you have to be smart about the way you draft. So yeah, I think there are, are good points and things that we can bring up and maybe help people who are just starting to dive in here, Mike. And I think it was great that you brought up Aaron Judge because power and, and specifically home runs is where I want to start. And we saw from the, the all-star break of the 2015 season on, coming into last year, we all, that's all we spoke about. The last year and a half, home runs continue to be on a rise. And last year shattered the record. I went all the way back to the 1800s, Franklin, <laughs> to look at home run totals from every single season. Last year was the most by far. Second to only 2000, which was, if you remember, in the steroid era. And 2016, all we spoke about how it was the f- uh, coming into last year, it was the second most home runs ever. Well, it's now the third most ever. But it got shattered. Last year, we saw 6,105 home runs. That's almost 500 more than we saw the year before that. And not only that, Frank, I looked at the amount of players who hit those home runs. Last season, there were... 117 players that hit at least 20 home runs. And if you want to go even further, there was 144 qualified hitters total last year. 89 of them had at least 20 home runs. 20 home runs is no longer, wow, this guy had a good season. He hit 20 home runs. It is now, okay, your league average power hitter. If not, even worse than league average, I would say. So to me, that is something that when you are starting to look at your player, your player pool and you're doing your player evaluations, you can't see 20 home runs and think how we did a couple years ago. You have to look at that and think, okay, well, if I draft this guy early, I'm going to need more power later on. Yeah, you're basically going to need to have 20 home runs at every position. Yeah. When you look at it like that, 117 different guys who hit 20 home runs. And that's where we're at right now. I mean, this is the, I don't know what you want to call it, if it's the juiced ball era, whatever it is, but it's not going away. The MLB is trying to find ways to make the game more fun and interesting to get younger people more involved. And how do you do that? Chicks dig the long ball. People want to see more offense. They don't want to see pitching gems. You know, while the the legitimate... I don't want to say legitimate. While the go-hard baseball fan or fantasy baseball fan might love the, you know, pitching duel... The average fan doesn't want to see that. They want to see home runs. They want to see offense being scored. So, you know, they have those new baseballs. And as a result, we see the most home runs hit since, what, 2000, you said, right? No, ever. Ever. 2000 was the closest season. 2000 was the closest. So that was the most home runs ever. So you want to get people more involved. How do you do that? How do you put people in the seats? You, you, you juice the ball up. You bring some offense to it. And we have to take that into consideration for fantasy baseball. So, uh, yeah, you're, you're pretty much going to need at least 20 home runs from what seems like almost your whole team. And Mike, I know you looked into you know other statistical trends. If people are hitting more home runs and if offense is up, that almost that only leads to a negative for pitching. Oh yes, uh, pitching the numbers are way down right now. Not it's not only the the hitting because strikeouts are on the rise for pitchers. Strikeout. We're in a, an era right now where it's three true outcomes: a walk, a strikeout, or a home run. And Aaron Judge represents that entirely. <laughs> he so. does and. It's not just him, though, Joey Gallo. All these young players who are coming up and, and you know, like the stolen base. There's another one that I was just about to talk to. It's a, it's a dying art. Last year, there were just 2,527 stolen bases. That's on par with the previous two seasons. Just a, not even going way back to when stolen bases were off the charts. Just a couple years before that, in 2011, 2012, we had over 3,200 total stolen bases those years. So that's 700 fewer stolen bases taken out of that that stat it's so insane. it makes it where a guy like a d gordon who or billy hamilton who maybe you're only going to get single you're definitely only going to get single digit home runs out of it's worth it because you can get 30 home runs 
in the 15th, 16th round where you never could get that years past. So you, it used to be you had to get the power bats early on and you could fill steals. Now the way I think you have to, to view this this fantasy baseball season is you need at least one guy who can give you around 30 steals. If not, you need multiple guys who can give you 20-plus. And that's how I actually try to attack my draft that uh, I'm currently in right now. My early guys that I took were Votto and Machado. Then I took two pitchers. So later on in the draft, I took like a Domingo Santana, a guy who can provide steals. Not a, a ton of them. I got Ian Happ, who can give me like 15 steals. Kevin Kiermeyer, who is going to... Last year was a 15-15 player, and if he stays healthy, he's going to be 20-20, maybe 25-25. Guys like that who do a little bit of everything. I, I can't have guys on my team that are just going to give me home runs, low average, maybe some RBIs. Like To me, those players are overvalued. Yeah, in years past, we were able to almost find these specialist-type players who, okay, this guy will give me 40 home runs, he'll tank my batting average, like a, almost like a Chris Carter type, or a, you know Chris Davis even now. I mean, the, Chris Davis, I don't know what's going on with that guy. I mean, in a year where it was the juice ball era, I mean, he had a complete down year. But Mike, you spoke about 117 players who hit 20 or more home runs there were only 29 players who stole 20 or more bases. So that just shows you how much of a premium they are at. I kind of disagree that you should try and get in on a D, Gordon, Billy Hamilton. I get it because of the stolen base. Those are guys are super elite. They can give you 60-plus stolen bases. I'd rather look at some of the guys where, if you have an early pick, take an Altuve who's going to give you 20 home runs, 30 stolen bases, or even a bounce back from Starling Marte oh, of course. who's going to give you 15 home runs, 30, 35 stolen bases. You know, I still think that's the way to kind of uh, attack it, but you have to keep chipping away, like you mentioned in your draft strategy, where you got Domingo Santana and you got a Kevin Kiermaier. You just keep... You have to keep chipping away at that category throughout the season. And you mentioned how you can find power in rounds 15, 16, 17. Mike, you could, you might be able to find guys off free agency. Look at some of the top home run hitters from last year. In 12-team leagues, Aaron Judge might have not even been drafted. He hit 52 home runs. Look at some of these other guys. Joey Gallo might have been, you know, towards the end of your draft or not even drafted. Justin Smoke was a free agent. Logan Morrison was a free agent. Some of these guys, Ryan Zimmerman was a free agent. Jay Bruce went super late in drafts. So you can find power very late in drafts or even on your waiver wire early on uh, in the season. So you just need to be aggressive with some of those guys that you see increasing their fly ball rate, increasing, uh, increasing their home run to fly ball ratio. Be aggressive with those guys early on in the season, but I agree with you. Stolen bases uh, are a category that you just need to continuously, continuously chip away at uh, throughout your draft, even at the start of it. The reason I'm cool with like a D Gordon, if you want to use him, take him early on, is because 60 steals is elite. That to me is is 60 steals will be more useful to you than a guy who's going to hit 30 home runs. It just simply is. Probably more useful than a guy who hits 50 home runs. It it probably could be. And then D. Gordon also, 308 average last year, 114 runs scored. Like Even if you tone that down a bit, those are three categories. League average last year was about 250. So those are three categories you're getting elite production out of. So, yeah, he's not going to give me home runs or RBIs. In my opinion, those are the two easiest stats to find off of waiver wires, like you said, Frank. And real quick, while we're going to... Get into to starting pitching. How you mentioned uh, those numbers are down. Certainly, the innings are down as well. So that hurts. But just looking at last year, dating back to 2010, this is a trend that we've seen because 2016 was previous highs. Well, last year, starting pitchers shattered them in ERA, 
uh, home runs per nine, whip, FIP, XFIP, K percentage, and walk percentage. So the three true outcome is true for pitchers as well. But as we start to see this offense spike, it's driving up ERA. It's driving up whip. And as pitchers aren't going as deep into games, there's less room for error for them. This is a new era of baseball where they want to get into the bullpen as soon as possible. So to me, you need one, two, I would say, of these workhorses that we know are going to give you 200 innings, like a Scherzer or a Kluber in the first or second round. I'm perfectly fine doing that, where in years past, a lot of people advocated waiting on pitching. Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%. If you're in the back end this year, I think you have to get one of those top four starting pitchers, whether it's Kershaw, Scherzer, Kluber, Sale. Uh, I think with what you just said, that just makes the legitimate ace that much more valuable. I think you have to have one of those guys on your team where you know they're going to give you 190 plus, even 200 plus innings. It's so hard to find those guys nowadays. And Mike, the biggest problem I have with D. Gordon is the fact that you have to take him in the second round. I mean, this is very early ADP. I just personally wouldn't want to do that. Rather take a shot on a guy who gives you a little bit of everything and a Jose Ramirez, Lindor, something like that. But we'll have plenty of time to talk about that. Yeah, when we come back, we're going to talk. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about these starting pitchers because I think you need to get one, like Frank mentioned. We'll be right back talking about that at Weekend Fantasy Update. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back. Weekend Fantasy Update. Final five minutes. It's freezing out, so we're uh, deciding to warm you up with a little... Baseball talk. Have you thinking about very much better times in the spring where it's nice out? And and Frank, before the break, you mentioned four starting pitchers, and I want to use uh, the draft that I am currently participating in as as an example. It's a fifteen team league. Clint Kershaw went fifth overall. He's elite. We get it. Even though in points leagues, I think I would go Scherzer over him as crazy and and as dirty as I feel saying that. Just safer. I think you can make the argument in Roto too, but that's for another day. You, you certainly can. Uh, Max Scherzer went 12th, and then I was pick 14. I took my man crush, Joey Votto, and I said, all right, on round two, I'm going to take Kluber or Sale. <laughs> and Billy Hayes at pick 15 took both of them. Ooh. And there was not another pitcher taken until the last pick of the second round, 14 picks later when Luis Severino went. And then the third round was littered with starting pitchers. But I think that shows you the fall-off after those top four guys. And those four guys are so safe, so elite. We know we're going to get 200 innings out of them. We know we're going to get 200 strikeouts. The only one of the four that we haven't gotten 200 innings out of lately is Clayton Kershaw. And he was the one who goes on one because he is arguably one of the best pitchers of all time. And you can't argue with the ratios and the production you get when he's out there. Scherzer's a Cy Young winner. Kluber and Sale were first and second in the Cy Young and the AL. Those four guys, in my opinion or head and shoulders above the rest, that if you use an even a middle first-round pick on one of them, I have no problems with it this year. 
Yeah, especially with some of the talent that you could get in the second round. What's crazy is that we're seeing guys like Manny Machado fall into the second round this year because, you know, he had a terrible first half. Freddie Freeman, people forget how good he was before he got hurt last year. You get him in the second round. Anthony Rizzo, Josh Donaldson, I know he's one year older, but if he's healthy, I think that he can bounce back too. These are all hitters that we've seen either be in the first round, borderline first round picks, or put up first round production at times. So if you can take one of those legitimate aces which I think is the way to go if you're in the middle to back end of the first round this year. Take one of those aces, come back around in the second round, and get one of these legitimate bats that can anchor your team because those guys can still get it done. I've even seen drafts where Chris Bryant is going in the second round. So if you can get one of those hitters who were going in the first round last year, now dropping in the second round, pair them with one of those legitimate aces, I think that's a great way to start this year. I didn't expect both those starting pitchers to go. If... If by some chance only one of them had fallen and say someone, the player before me took a Kluber or a Sale, I would have taken the starting pitcher there. But I expected one of the two to fall. I didn't expect Billy Hayes, great player, finish as the runner-up in the GST Baseball League last year. But he is a great uh, fantasy baseball player. I didn't expect him to take both of them. He did that, and then he didn't take another pitcher till round seven with Zach Godley and his fourth uh, pitcher. It wasn't until round 11, so... He decided I'm going to have my staff uh, anchored down by these two elite arms, and then I'm just going to fill in the bats, and I, I can't knock it. I think he has a very strong team, so starting pitching this year is at a premium. Guys I have ranked after those top four, like Madbaum, Noah Syndergaard, Steven Strasburg, and then there's this tier of Severino, DeGrom, uh, Carrasco, it's... Those guys are great, but they're not as safe as the top four. That's why I think a first-round price for those four guys, not out of the question. So so you learned in hindsight from this, the next, the next draft you do, or if you can do it over again, would you have taken one of those pitchers first and then just take whoever falls to you from between Votto and Machado? Yeah, I probably would have. Who would you take between Kluber and Sale? Kluber. I think that's fair. Uh, and just looking at what Billy Hayes did, I mean, starting with two elite starting pitchers and then his next two picks, two outfielders, I think that's a perfect way to attack a roto draft, too, because, I mean, you have to start out of five outfielders in most of those formats. You get your aces, and then you build your team from the outfield in in a roto draft, in my opinion. I, I think he did a great job. If you haven't been listening, I mean, some picks might surprise you. Reese Hoskins in the third round, Whit Merrifield in the third, uh, fifth round. These are what, This is why you have to start listening to Fantasy Baseball coverage right now, and there's no better way than FanRag Fantasy Baseball, which is up next with Al Melchior. So stay tuned for that, and have a great weekend, everyone.